Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, uh, let's see how I'm going to start. We are going to receive an offering this morning, and you're going to receive our tithes and offering in a few moments. But I want to let you know that if God's word, if if God's word did not speak about money, then God has not spoken about a major part of your life. How many of you how many of you say that money is a major part of your life? A major part. Raise your hand. Major. Like 90%. It, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's up there close to 92, 93, you know. But money is like 90% of your life. You work 90% of your time. You, 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 before you go to work, you're already working. You know that, right? Before you get there, you're already you're just preparing to go to work, uh, getting everything ready to go to work, and then going to work. By the time you get there, you have already invested quite a few hours of your life, and you haven't even gotten there yet. And then to return back home, you spend quite a few hours getting ready to return back home to your daily schedule and what you had to do. And you do all that. Some of you do it five days a week. Some of you do it six days a week. Some of you do it seven days a week. Some of you never want to stop, and you never get enough, right? And then after you never get enough, you're still not satisfied because money doesn't bring happiness. We all know that. It buys a lot of toys and a lot of things, but it doesn't buy happiness. How many of you can say money doesn't buy happiness? <laughs> I mean, I mean we, we don't have to think about it. We know that, you know, you can give somebody money and they could still be mad at you. Amen? They could, they could borrow money from you. They could ask you to borrow money from you. You give them the money, and after you give them the money, they mad against you. And you gave, I mean, figure that out. Could you imagine that? Somebody ask you money. You lend them the money. You be nice and kind to get, lend them the money. And then after you lend them the money, your money that you work for, you lend it to them, and they're supposed to pay you back. You know, another part of lending is that they're supposed to pay you back. I know some of you are so good, good at lending, but you're not good at getting the payback. People just know how to disappear from your life. People know how to make believe they never know you. They never heard your name. They don't even know who you are. It's, uh, it's amazing what money can do to people. Amen? So here you go. You go to work 90, but you go to, you go to work. All, all of us work most of our life. And then when we come to church, we don't want God to talk about money. Now, how could not God talk about money when that's all you work for? Doesn't God know everything? Doesn't he know that money is important to our life? The same way our physical health is important to our life, so is money. So how could God not talk about money in the Word of God when it's one of the most important things in our life? He has to talk about money. Well, there's many books written about money. And if you ever have financial problem, financial crisis, financial problem, if you ever find yourself in a situation financially that you don't know what to do, and you seem to always be broke, and that seems to be uh, something that's common. You're always broke. You always have bills, and you never know what to do with the money. There is help available to you. There's help available to you. And it's very easy to find this help. How many of you have ever been in the Internet? Right? Bring me the internet for me over there. Bring me, bring me Google. And there's help available to all of you. And it's very simple. If you're having a problem with your finances, if you're having a problem with your money, you could Google, how do I get out of debt? You could Google, how do I break the cycle of poverty? You could Google, how could I make more money? It's all available to you. But some of us, continue to do the same thing we're doing over and over and over again. We are broke. We don't have enough money. We're not able to pay our bills. We don't want to go to the Word of God to talk to us about money because you know what God's Word says. So you're avoiding God and His Word, but you want to be financially blessed. You want to receive the blessings of the Lord that makes you rich and add no sorrow with it. But you don't want to go to the Word because how many of you know what the Bible says about money? I don't have to tell you. It's not a secret. God's Word tells you to give. And then God tells you how much to give. It's not a secret. 
I think almost every Christian knows that it's not a secret of how God tells us and how he tells us to give. And God's word shows us how to be debt free. Now, if we don't want to listen to the word of God, of course, you could always go to your godly inspiration, which is Google. Go to Google and Google, how do I get out of debt? How do I pay my bills? How do I become financially stable? You could how to anything in, the, in, in Google. And it will give you a list of things. I can't read them. They're so small and fine print. But, you know, debt free in 24 months. Debt free relief. All this stuff that is available to us. You know what happens is that we want to get out of debt. We follow this cycle. We continue to do this cycle over and over again. And number one, we don't want to apply Bible principles because that's, you know, that's, that's God. Only God could follow Bible principles. God didn't really write this for us. He wrote that for himself. So we don't want to follow his word. But it's not true. It's for us. And then we don't want to find books about giving because if you wanted to find books about finances, there's tons of books about giving. I got this one that says, uh, God's plan for your money. I got this guy say Larry Borquet, Debt Free Living. I got this other book named Financial Bootcamp. I got this other book, uh, Financial, The Word on Finances. I have this other book by called Dave Ramsey, Total Money Makeover Workbook. All this stuff is available to us, and we're still in debt. All this stuff is available to us for financial freedom and financial liberty, but we don't read them. We don't take the resources that's available, and we don't learn. We do not grow. We must grow as a person. Just because you get older, that doesn't mean that you're growing. Age has nothing to do with growing. If you don't read, you don't grow. If you don't learn, you won't learn. And you don't learn, you won't earn. You're always going to be under and trying to figure out how to make ends meet. Got to figure out how I'm going to make it. But there's so much resources available to us when it comes to finances. The Bible tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto us. God's word gives us answers, and it's to seek first the kingdom of God. Not second, not third, not last, not think about it, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto us. There's books available. I remember when I first got saved, and and I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I was a faithful Catholic, so I was faithfully giving my dollar every single service. I had no problem with giving my dollar. It was a sign. My dollar was destined to go to the church every Sunday morning. I would be there. Without any problem, I would go to my wallet. I would take out a dollar, and I put it in that offering basket. I had no problem with it. Then one day I became a Christian. I gave my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of my questions was, how much am I supposed to give? What am I supposed to give? Because I already knew that dollar was all that I could give. And then I was taught through the Word of God what to do. And that's not a best-kept secret about tithing or giving 10%. It's not a best-kept secret. It's in the Word of God. So I find other books to read. And in this one it says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all, all these things shall be added unto you. When you pursue money, Money is not coming after you. You understand that? That if you're after money, that means money is not after you. Amen? Because you're after it. That means it's running away from you and you're pursuing after it. You're supposed to seek God first. You're supposed to be going after God and all these things are going to be added to you. You, you got to reverse your mentality. That's what the Bible says. And it says it on this little book that I have here. It says, therefore... I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercies, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, pleasing. What I mean, this is a different translation. I'm not used to the one that I put. Let me read it to how it says it. I memorized it a different way. So it said, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. And then Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says this. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. 
there is a pattern that this world has. There's a cycle, there's a circle that this world has. And if you're not aware, you jump right into it. And you write in it, and you don't realize it, that you're never going to get out of debt. If you get a credit card and you borrow $100 from a credit card and the credit card tells you that every month all you got to do is pay $5, would you know that you'll never pay, finish paying up that $5 for the rest of your life? You can pay them $5 for the rest of your life. For one miserable $100, that's a pattern of the world. And the pattern of the world is to stay in debt, to remain in debt for the rest of your life. Now, how does that sound? Uh, that doesn't sound like the type of life that God has in store for us. So we have to learn that there's other ways. And you know what the Bible says? But be ye transformed by the renewing of your what? Money? Life? Wife? Husband? Children? Your mind your mind your mind has to be renewed once you begin to read the word of god and put the word of god in your life once you begin to live a life of christianity your mind has to be renewed you have to be brainwashed from all this worldly ideas and worldly system that you have gotten into that you're not aware of but you have been conformed and now God wants to do something in your life. He wants to transform you. There's a difference between conform and transformation. Conform means you become accustomed and you just change with the times and you just follow the pattern of the world. But transform means you become another person. Have you ever heard of the Transformers? You, you know the little toys named Transformers? There's a little car to begin with. And the next, the little car, you open this part, and some of the children could probably show me real easy. And you open this part, this part, this part. The next thing you know, this little car becomes a robot, a big giant machinery with weapons and all. It was just a little car a few minutes ago. And you see, that's what God wants to do with your life. He wants to take you from being in debt to being out of debt. He wants to transform you from just being that ordinary person that you are to a supernatural person. He wants, to come, he wants to transform you from average to above average. So it's going to take a lot. How many of you know it's going to take a lot of renewing? Man, that mind's going to have to get some work. That mind, you got some things in that mind that needs to go. They cannot help you to be transformed. So when you hear the Word of God and you hear some things that are contrary to your mind, you say, no, 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 I cannot be no, 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 I cannot live without credit card. No, 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 I cannot live without being in debt. No, 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 I cannot live without doing this or doing that, that you have been conformed to, but God wants to transform you. Say after me, God wants to transform me. And he wants to make you into another person that you're not right now. I know some of you are pleased with who you are right now. You will not change a thing. But God will change many things in you. If, if God were to see you, he'd say, I got a whole list of things I want to change in you. And your list, your own personal list of changes is just this one. Give me more money. But God is in the business of transforming you. God will unfold, will is unfolded in three successive phases by three beautiful words. The will of God is good, pleasing, and acceptable and perfect. God wants to do a great work in your life, so you need to learn to be transformed. So get books. Get books. Read books about financing. Read books about how to get out of debt. Read them. Get them. They're in there. You can go to the library and get a bunch of them for free. And you're supposed to bring them back. I'm, when I'm saying go to the library and get them for free, I mean you use them, you read them, and you take them back. Otherwise, they will not be free. You'll be how many of you have books at home from the library? No, don't raise your hand. You know what I mean? But, you know, they're supposed to go back to the library after a while. You're not supposed to keep them. You, you borrow them, all right? And you're going to find out that if you got a book from the library and you think you've been so smart and so slick, when you go back one day to try to take another book out and they bring up your name, they're going to say, you owe us. I owe you what? $25 for what? 
that little book, yes, that little book. How long you have it? Ten years. <laughs> you had that book for ten years. You're supposed to borrow it for what, a month or a week or something like that? And you put it away. You took it from the library. You put it away on your shelf thinking it's yours, but you know it's not yours. It says public library all over. Every time you look at it, it's written all on the outside. And you ignore it, right? You ignore the little book. Public library. Public library. Public Return to the public library. Every time you see it, return to the public library everywhere. And you let it sit on the shelf in your home. And then when you go to the public library, they say, you owe us. Okay, I'll bring you the book back. You bring the book back. No, 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 no. We don't want the book back. We want the money. See, that's your old mindset. But God wants to give you a new mind. But you got to read books. Read books. You have a problem with your money. You know that that's the issue with your money. Get a book. Read books about money. Read books about finances. God really wants you to prosper and be in health even as you so prosper. God really wants you to be a blessing so you can be a blessing to more people. God really wants to increase you. God did not come to take away from you. That's your mind that's telling you because everyone that comes around you try to take away from you. In your mind, you already got this idea. Everyone else is coming wants to take away from me. And then you come to God and you're thinking, that's the same thing God wants to do. He wants to take away from me. He wants to take away from me. So you come with that mindset and God is trying to transform you, so you have to just say, Mind be renewed in the name of Jesus. And obey the Word of God. Obey the Word of God. Obey it. Be obedient to the Word of God. And it will transform you. But you need to read books. They're available by the hundred. Some of you have financial problems, and you haven't read a book on finances. You haven't, read a, you haven't even Googled, how do I get out of debt? You haven't even Googled, how do I get out of this financial problem? Yeah, you don't even Google that. You know why you're Googling? YouTube movies and fantasy stuff that's not even going to change you. But work on yourself. You want to find out about finances? There are books. Some, of, some, of, some people think that people that have money, they have money because they're lucky. I know why he got money, because he's lucky. Meanwhile, you lazy. You don't go to work. You stay home. You're not, dis you're not disciplined. You don't do anything. But I know why they got money, because they're lucky. But you do nothing about it. They don't have money because they're lucky. Everybody that has money doesn't have money because they're lucky. Some people have money because they work. <laughs> and they work hard at it. And they're diligent. But whatever weakness you find in your life, you can get a book on it. You want to increase in your spiritual journey. You want to increase in your spiritual life. You want to be, you want to get a closer relationship with God. You want to hear His voice clearer, louder, better. You want to remove all these other things that is hindering you from hearing the Word of God. What can you do as a Christian? Well, I will tell you one thing that does work. It's called fasting. Fasting doesn't mean to go fast. Fasting is a principle that the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches the principle of fasting to hear the voice of God, to get to an end with God, and to have a better relationship with God. Now, the world has taken the fasting, knowing that it offers results, and uses it. But God's Word talks to us about fasting. Some of you don't even have one book of fasting in your house. You've been a spiritual Christian for many years, and you don't even have one book of fasting. Go to your house. Show me one book of fasting. You've been a Christian 20 years. One book of fasting. Fasting? Fast. But what did you say? Feasting? No, I didn't say feasting. I say fasting. Oh, you got a lot of books on the feast. The Feast of the Tabernacle, the Feast of the Lord, the Feast of Pentecost. You got all these feasting books, but not one book of fasting. And you tell me why you're not growing spiritually. Not one book on fasting. Here, fasting. Opening the doors to a deeper, more intimate, more powerful relationship with God. Fasting. Get a book on fasting. And read it. And then do it. Fasting. 101 reasons to fast. 
some of you, the first one, you kill it. <laughs> the first one, you kill it. I'm not going to fast. That, forget that. That's not for me. I'm spiritual giant. I know all about God. I don't need to grow in the spiritual things. Fasting is for old people. Or some of you will say fasting is for young people. They could do that. But you don't have any book on fasting. Here's another book with fasting. Atomic power with fasting and prayer. Oh, don't talk to me about that. Atomic power with prayer and fasting. I know some of you are looking at me strange because you don't have one book on fasting. You need to get some books on your shelf about fasting. It's good for you. It will help you. I know I'm trying to transform your mind. Some of you are looking at me, what in the world is he talking about? First he started talking about money. Now he's talking about fasting. I'm leaving. I'm hungry. I got to go get something to eat. What time is it? He's making me hungry. A Common Sense Guide to Fasting by Kenneth A. Hagen. I don't want to read a little bit about what it says. Another man named Bill Bright. The Transforming Power of Fasting and Prayer. Personal Accounts of Spiritual Renewals by Bill Bright on fasting. Why you're not growing on your spiritual condition? Because you're not being equipped. You're not reading things that's going to help you to become a better believer. You just want to come to church and you just want them to tell you, to give you the answer without you doing nothing. You want results with nothing and it's not going to work. Faith without works is dead. So it's going to require some work on your part. Get a book on fasting. Don't get my book on fasting. You get, don't tell me, Pastor, let me get that book. Don't tell me about getting my book. You're not getting my book. Some of you are already thinking, I'm going to get that book from Pastor. Don't get my book. This is my book. You got to get your own book. Otherwise, you have my book sitting at your house. Right? And I'll write on it, Pastor Juan's book. <laughs> Return to Pastor Juan, all right? I know, I know some people got a lot of the, my books in their home, all right? I'm looking for my book, and I can't find it. I said, where's that book? Oh, somebody asked me for it. Yep. Ten years later, I haven't seen it. Now, this is a very touchy subject, so I'm not going to touch it too much. The ultimate weight solution. Seven keys to weight loss, freedom. Oh, you don't want to read about losing weight. Because we don't want to lose any weight. But we do. It's better for you. Most of the time when we go to the doctor, the first thing the doctor says, you got to lose weight. It's like, don't you have anything else to say, doctor? <laughs> Can you tell me I got to eat more? Have you ever been to the doctor? The doctor says, you got to eat more. Most of the time, they don't, well, some people have that bless, <laughs> that blessing that they go to the doctor and the doctor tells them you got to eat more. That's a blessing to some of you. But some of us, every time we go to the doctor, your blood pressure is high because you, you weigh too much. This is right because it, everything is like, don't you see anything else of me but losing weight? But there's benefits. There's, there's benefits for you, all right? How to lose weight. You can go Google. If you, wanna, if you think you need to lose weight, you can Google. No, don't Google it now because there'll probably be a million things out there how to lose weight. From, uh, from apple vinegar and all these other things, remedies that people come up with. I tried that apple cider vinegar. Man, that stuff tastes terrible. Have you ever tried apple? You will not eat. If you drink apple cider, you will not eat. There's just, just, there's no chance of eating. That stuff tastes so terrible. It takes the appetite and the desire for you to eat. It's like it knocks it out. Just take one tablespoon of that before you eat it, and you like forget it. I don't want to eat. <laughs> stuff out there that you can take to help you. All right. But look, if you want to lose weight, there's books out there that could help you. Get the books. Find out. You don't want to go through the Bible because if you go through the Bible, it tells you to that book on fasting. It tell you to fast. We fast in this church twice a week. And that doesn't mean that we go by really fast. It's nothing about speed. It's about food. I misunderstand. Some people think it's about, and just twice a week, we don't eat anything until after three on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So we just, we spend, try to spend time reading the word, doing something spiritual to benefit you. So, there is, look, how to fast, fast metabolism, fast this, fast that, fast like Gundry, fast, everybody has a, a recipe. God's word is fasting. I have a friend of mine, very close friend of mine, 
that every time he sees himself gaining weight, all he does is stop eating. And would you believe that it works? Would you? I don't know, like a miracle. It's like, it's like a miracle from heaven. The man said to me, every time I see myself, I gain too much weight, I stop eating. And I'm looking at him and, and saying, okay, so what's the result? And he said, I lose weight. And I look at myself and I said, I think he's right. I think if I don't eat, I won't gain weight. How many of you know that to be a fact? How many of you, if you, if you go two days without eating, would you get, I mean, I know somebody that went on a fast, went two days, bunch of days fasting, and at the end of the fast, they gain weight. I'm like, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> How can you go on a fast and gain weight? I, I'm just like, what are you doing? You know, you know what they were doing, right? I don't have to tell you. If somebody tell you they're fasting and they're gaining weight, you know what they were doing, right? So, but the result of fasting would be you will lose weight. Other books. If you don't believe that this word is real and that it will transform your life and that it can transform your life, then get books on it. Get books on the word of God. This book by Josh McDowell is the evidence that demands a verdict. This is a college uh, professor. Most of the stuff that's in the book is about for college. This is more like a college student book. If you have a college student, young man, young lady that's going to college, and they are talked to them contrary to the word of God, just get them one of these books. This is the book that I read when I'm talking to college students about God. This is the book that has a lot of information, talks about astronomy, talks about the horoscope, talks about different uh, different ideas, ideologies that are there. And it's a very good book that you, that will cause you to be able to defend your Christianity. It's called The Evidence That Demands the Burden. Here's a breakthrough prayer. Some of you don't know what the power of prayer is. It's breakthrough prayer. Get a book. This is, uh, this is from Jim Simbala. He is the, um, the best-selling author of, a, of another book named Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. But he's also... Uh, one of the person that was in charge of the Brooklyn Tabernacle uh, Choir in Brooklyn, New York. It's a big Brooklyn. Have you ever heard of Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir? Wave with me if you ever heard of it. Okay. Well, this is the pastor of that church. Him and his wife was the one that started the uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Very good book on prayer. This book right here, uh, 70 Razones para Hablar en Lenguas. I didn't say that in tongues. I saw that in Spanish, right? Said that in Spanish. So many reasons to speak in tongues. In Spanish and in English, we have a book in Spanish and in English. You can get books. And why should you use your spiritual language? These books are good and things that you can learn about God. This book is called Unstoppable. This is one of my books I have read and I have used and I have used it to preach. It's called Unstoppable. It's about the incredible power of faith in action by a guy named Nick Kujiklik. I don't remember his, how to say that last name, but his first name is Nick. Nick is an individual that has no arms and no legs. Listen, this guy that has no arms and no legs has written a book. You figure how a person with no arms and no legs write a book? How does a person with no arms and no legs, you can stop the flashing up there. How does a person that has no arms and no legs write a book? When I have arms and legs and I can barely write a page. How does a person that has no arms and no legs write the book? Do you understand the abilities and the possibilities that you have within you that you just have not tapped into? Because you had not gone beyond you. You stay, you stay with you. And you had not allowed God to expel you and cause you to do great things for God. You got to go beyond you and your limitations. Whatever limitations you think you have, you could go beyond it. If this man could go beyond his limitation, he got no arms and no legs. Some of you will say, forget it, give up. You, you can't, you forget about writing a book. Forget about writing a surfboard. Forget about parachuting from a plane. Forget about speaking to young people. Forget about you have no arms, you have no legs, you can't do nothing, man. Give up. Quit. Die. Kill yourself. Do you think you got problems? Do you think you face problems? 
This man, when he gets up, every morning when he gets up, it's not a dream, it's a reality. He has no arms and no legs every morning when he gets up. It's not like you, you have a bad dream, you wake, shake it up, you get up, you go, you wash your face, you brush your teeth, and you get up and you keep on going and you do whatever you need to do. He cannot shake himself up like that. He has no arms, he has no legs. What problems do you have? Do you really have a problem? Do you really have a situation that you cannot overcome? Do you really have a circumstance that you can uh, uh, get over? Do you really have a problem? Or you are your own problem, stopping yourself from progressing and going forward. Some of you don't have a problem. You are the problem. And you need to look at yourself and say, I'm no longer going to be a problem. I'm going to be a solution. Stop being a problem and become the solution. Become solution-oriented instead of problem-oriented. Some of you look at yourself and all you see is a problem, a period, a stop. I can't go any further. I can't do nothing. I can accomplish more. I am black. I'm white. I'm Puerto Rican. I'm Hispanic. I'm too tall. I'm too short. Some of you, all you see is yourself as a problem, a hindrance, an obstacle. Everybody's against you. Nobody wants to help you. What about him? How could he, no arms and no legs, write a book? How could he, no arms and no legs, Right on the surfboard. How could he, with no arms and no legs, talk to an audience of young people? How could he do it and you can't do it? And when he talks to you about it, he said, if I did it, you could do it too. You need to stop being a problem and you need to start looking at yourself as a solution to your problems. You're not handicapped. You could talk. You could walk. You have hands to touch, feet you could use. You might be a little slow, but you move, you're still much faster than him. You might not be adequate speaker to articulate, but you could still talk. You could do so much more. But you look at your life and all you see is a problem, a problem, a problem, a stop sign, a, a quit. I can't do this. I can't do this. I can accomplish it. I'm too short. I'm too tall. I'm too skinny. I'm too fat. I'm this color. I'm that color. I'm from this nation. I'm from this other country. And all you see is problems. You put them all before you. When are you going to realize that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world? When are you going to wake up? You got to wake up. The greater one is in you. You are created in the image and the likeness of God. You could do great things. You could accomplish great things. You really can. You can or you cannot. It is up to you. It is up to your will and your desire and your heart. No one can stop you from succeeding but you. The words that you speak, they're powerful. The Bible says, this Bible says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. You'll eat the fruit of your mouth. You won't eat the fruit of somebody else's mouth. You're going to eat the fruit of your mouth. Don't worry about what they say. Don't be concerned about what they're talking about you. Don't be looking at what they're saying about you. Look at what you're saying yourself. That's what's important. It's more important what you say than what they say. They can't say, you can't do this. Like they tell this guy, you got no arms. You got no legs. You're not going to accomplish much. You're not going to touch much people. You're not going to do much of this. You're not going to do much of that. You're not going to be able to accomplish anything. You can never write a book. You don't even have a hands and feet to write with. You could quit. And you know what happens when you quit? You just slow down the process because God is working on you and he's not going to quit. He's not going to quit. God is not a quitter. You could quit, but God is not quitting. He's constantly knocking at the door of your heart. You could do it, my daughter. You could do it, my son. You could get back up. You could rise up from that. You could get another job. You could get another career. You could do it. God is constantly knocking on your heart. You can do it. You can do it. You might be saying, I can. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares. Blah, blah, blah. And God said, let him talk. Eventually, you shut up. I know we're not supposed to use that work in school. You be 
you be quiet. And when you're quiet, that's when God really starts talking to you. You know, the best times in your life is your quiet times. It's not when you're talking. Some of you think the best time is when I'm talking. No, the best time is when you finally stop talking. And you don't say, and you don't have nothing else to say. And you're just like, okay. Okay, God. All right. I quit. I stop. And you just spend that quiet time like that. You just go down quiet. And you begin to think. And then God begins to knock. And talks to you. And the first thing he said is, don't be afraid. Every time God knocks on your heart, on those quiet times of your life, the first thing he says, don't be afraid. Every time you get quiet, problems overcome you. Situations overwhelm you. Your emotions are like, and you just don't know what to do. You just, I had it, I tried, that didn't work. Did this, it didn't work. I tried to do something nice, that person talked against me. I tried to do this right, that didn't work out. I was trying to help someone, and the next thing you know, they turn around and tell them that I'm trying to hurt them. I was trying to do something good, and now it looks like it's something bad. I don't know what else to do. And you just come to the point where you just, just shut up. You just stop talking. And the first thing he will say to you is, don't be afraid. See, because that's what the enemy is trying to put on you, fear. He's trying to fill you with fear. Because he knows that fear will paralyze your growth. It will stun it. It will stun. It will stun your growth. You can't move with fear. You just can't think with fear. You can't be creative with fear. You don't see anything good with fear. All you're seeing, you're fearing something. So all you're seeing is bad, something that's coming against you that you can't overcome, and, and fear will stop you from thinking. So God had to step in, and the first thing he had to say is, don't be afraid. Close your eyes. Let's do this. Close your eyes for a moment. Hallelujah. Close your eyes. Don't, don't think about you being in church right now. Just listen to me. This is like one of those meditating things at the psychiatrist, psychiatrist table. Close your eyes. But right now, close your eyes for a moment. You see the past month, all the things that happened the past month. I'm not talking about the last year, just the past month. Some of you have victories, some of you have successes, some of you have challenges, some of you have obstacles, some of you have situations that overwhelm you, some of you have questions about the future, and here you are, waiting for the Lord to speak to you, waiting for God to show you a sign, waiting for God to reveal something. God shows up in your quiet time. In your quiet time, God shows up. And when he shows up, he says to you, my son, my daughter, With your eyes closed and you hear those words don't be afraid what do you feel what do you receive all he's saying is don't be afraid Quiet time 
when you hear the words, don't be afraid. A peace enters into your heart. A serenity enters into your life. A calmness enters into your mind that cannot be here anything else this world has to offer. Because God knows that that's what you need. You need to know that I don't need to be afraid. Don't be afraid, my son. Don't be afraid, my daughter. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. You see, we need to spend quiet time with God. I know some of you could, quiet time means I go to sleep. But you need to spend, some of you need to get some rest. <laughs> you can't have no quiet time without rest. You understand? You need to get some rest in the Lord, right? <laughs> you need to rest so you can have quiet time. Because you, quiet time and rest is two different things. <laughs> All right? You just need to get some rest so then you can take some quiet time and receive that from the Lord. God does not want you to be afraid. You, you're, you're, you are not made to be motivated by fear. Fear is not your motivator. Faith is your motivator. You understand? Faith says, I can't overcome when circumstances come against you. Faith said, I could do this. Face it, I'm courageous. Face it, I'm strong. Fear doesn't say that. So God did not create you to be motivated by fear, but God created you to be motivated by faith. You are, you are a faith individual. God created you to have faith, to overcome any mountains, any obstacles, anything that comes against you. And he knows that's already in you. You could do that. Because God shows us others that have done it. He gave us a sample. Look, he did it. And if he did it, you can't do it too. He gave us examples. God has placed dreams and ideas in your mind and in your heart. Some of you are millionaires times over already in your ideas. You don't even know. You work on the medical field. God could give you an idea in the medical field that could just change everything work in a business office, God could give you an idea in the business office that could change everything. You have your own business working from home, and God could give you an idea of working from home that changes everything. To be a director, God could give you ideas of directing that revolutionize the directing ideas. But you cannot allow fear to paralyze you. When you see it coming your way, you have to recognize it. You have to recognize this, you recognize faith. How many of you recognize faith? When somebody talks faith, you can tell. You say either they're crazy or they just got faith. You, you're like, but you don't say they're crazy or they got fear. You say they got faith. You, you just recognize it. You just recognize that person. You recognize when somebody's full of fear and you recognize when somebody's full of faith. You just recognize the, one, the difference from one, from one to another. To me, I remember Pastor Tom was here. I remember me taking people across the street. And we had a house over there that we gutted all out. All these wires are hanging down. We got beams, wood beams, because it was a wood house with beams. And then you walk on the beams like this, and then right there's the dirt, right? And all these wires hanging down, electrical wires hanging down, that you don't know if they're live or not. You just know there are wires hanging down, you know? And you walk in, and, and I'm there walking between all these beams, and I'm showing my pastor friend, this is where we're going to have our sanctuary. And this is where we're going to have our children's ministry. And he's looking at me like, you are crazy. He didn't tell me that at that time. He said, oh, you're a man of faith. You know? <laughs> but faith sees beyond where you are. 
Fear doesn't see beyond where you are. Fear sees where you are. You're staying there. You're not going any further. You're stuck. If you ever feel stuck in life, understand that that's the spirit of fear. God has not made you to be stuck. Like my sister over there taking the medical uh, nursing test. How many times did you take it? About three times. You see, she had faith because she continued taking it. Fear will paralyze her the first time. You understand? But you got to keep on. You, you can't quit. God did not create you to be a quitter. God created you to be an overcomer. So with that in mind, that means there's gonna, things going to happen in your life that's going to cause you to think quitting, but because you're not a quitter, you're an overcomer, and that's the spirit of God that's within you, you're going to say, this is a situation to quit, but I'm not going to quit. I'm going to overcome. You understand? So challenges will come. They're going to come. They're going to come. The challenges to your faith are going to come to every one of us. Everyone will face challenges that tell us to stop, not to go any further. But we have the Spirit of God in us, and we will overcome them. Amen? I don't think I'm going to be preaching anything else today. I think I'm preaching up. How many of you think I'm preaching up? I says that in it. My goodness. All right. Let me hand you a flyer, a paper, and then we're going to finish it with this. I was just talking to you today because we need talk. And once in a while, when you feel that you are being attacked, after you get some rest, then just shut down and pray. Find a, find a favorite place that you could pray. Find a, find a place where you could pray. I always had a place where I could pray. I always have a place that I could go to and I could just pray. When I go for job interviews, it's been the bathrooms at whatever place business I went to. Every time I would go to a job interview, I, I got to go to the bathroom. And I go to the bathroom, I close that little thing, and I'm praying, God, if this is not the job for me, I don't want it. If it's the job you have for me, I don't care what devil try to stop me from having it. My habit, I'm getting this job. Amen? You, you got to have a place where you go beyond you. There's like a place of meditation, a place of, of, of where you could talk to God. Amen? So here's my... Um, this is what I was supposed to preach on this Sunday morning. In case some of you thought that I wasn't prepared to preach, this is it. All right? <laughs> some people think that, that guy wasn't prepared to preach. That's why he's talking all that. No, I was prepared to preach. All right, here. Okay. Oh, number question number one. Today will be the number of days after Jesus rose from the day. After Jesus rose from the day, today will be number 43. So already Jesus rose from the dead Thursday. Thursday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yes. Thursday. So Jesus walked on there for 40 days, unto 40 days. 40 days were Thursday, let's say. Thursday, Jesus ascended to heaven. And when he ascended to heaven, he told his disciples to wait until you receive power from on high. I made it short and brief for you. He told his disciples, wait for the promise of the Father. He told the Father, he told his disciples, the promise was not the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. You see, the people of Israel thought that the promise was that he was going to restore the kingdom of Israel. Because remember, they were under Roman authority. And they didn't want to be under Roman authority anymore. They wanted to be under their own authority. So they figured when the Messiah come, he's going to bring the kingdom of Israel. And we're no longer going to have to serve the Romans anymore. But then he told them, it's not about the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. The promise was Acts 1a to read. The promise is to receive power to be a witness in all the world. That was the promise. To receive power so that they could become a witness in all the world. Amen? Now, why do you think they needed power? Why do you think they needed power? They needed power because just like I was telling you, fear has paralyzed them. Fear paralyzed all the disciples. Many of them ran away. Many of them hid. Many of them were hiding. You couldn't even find anywhere anybody talking about Jesus. So fear had paralyzed them. And they couldn't do anything for Jesus. Even if they wanted to, they couldn't. They were too afraid. They were full of fear. Every time they, Jesus appeared to them, they, oh, it's a ghost. You know, they were just, then uh, it cannot be. I must be imagining something. It, it, they were just afraid. Every time he appears, okay, don't be afraid. This is me. Don't look, touch me. 
handle me. I'm going to eat something. You look, I'm putting my arms over your shoulder. I am me. This is me. I am Jesus. He was revealing to them. But the appearance of Jesus did not give them power. Jesus appearing and walking on the earth for 40 days did not give them power to witness for Jesus. They were still full of fear. They needed more than Jesus appearing on the flesh and revealing himself to them and letting them know, I am alive. I am here. So what happened? The day of Pentecost is going to take place 10 days after the resurrection. Pentecost will be next Sunday. It's after me. Pentecost is next Sunday. 10 days after he rose from the dead, no, 40 days after he rose from the dead, he meets with the disciples and he tells them, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave you. But I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the promise of the Father to you. Wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. They waited 10 days after me. They waited 10 days. 40 days he rose from the dead. 10, 40 plus 10 is how many? 40 plus 10 is how many? 40 plus 10 is how many, church? Show the world that you know how to count. 40 plus 10 is what? Okay, 50. Tom, 40 plus 10 is what? 50. The word 50 in Greek is Pentecost. Say, pen, say 50 in Greek. Say 50 in Greek. Say 50 in Greek. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and when Pentecost was fully come, right? When Pentecost was fully come, then the power of God through the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples. For what purpose? So that they could be witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. What caused fearful men to turn? What caused terror to disappear? What changed these men? What caused them not to be afraid? Oh, I wrote the word afraid incorrectly there. Afraid of death anymore. Was it the resurrection? No. Was it the appearing of Jesus? No. What caused them to no longer be afraid even of dying? It was the Holy Spirit. Say after me, the Holy Spirit. Say it again, the Holy Spirit. Say it again, the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit that came upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost is here today. You understand that Jesus is no longer walking around on the earth because he left. But he said, I'm going to send one to you. I'm going to pray to the Father and I'm going to send one to you that's going to be with you and is going to be in you. That is going to empower you to be a what? To be a witness. He's going to empower you to be a witness. So we all need the Holy Spirit today to be a witness for Jesus Christ. You cannot do the work of God, the work of Jesus Christ, without the Holy Spirit empowering. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's not a wind. It's not an oil. It's not a dove. It's not a breeze. It's not a shaking and a moving. The Holy Spirit is a person. It's after me. The Holy Spirit is a person. God is a person. Say after me, God is a person. Jesus is a person. The Holy Spirit is a what? A person. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We need to realize that the Holy Spirit is a person, and the person of the Holy Spirit is available with us today, and we need to talk to him the same way we would have talked to him like if we were talking to Jesus. Whenever you face situations, circumstances that overwhelm you, you need to say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Holy Spirit, I need your guidance. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me. 
Holy Spirit, I need you to open doors for me. Holy Spirit, I need you to give me the wisdom that I need. I'm sure my sister over there that passed the test, she was praying. And asking God to help her. God, I've taken this test two times. I'm going to take this day the third time. I really need your help. You see, there comes a time when you really need God's help. And when you ask him, he'll be right there to help you overcome. We all need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. Every time before I get over here to preach, I always ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, help me. Show me what I need to see, what I need to do. Because he's only going to help you to become the person that God wants you to be. Without the Holy Spirit, you cannot be the person that God wants you to be because the Holy Spirit is here for us now. He's available to us now. Amen? My wife is going to minister to you in song about being a witness. We all need the Holy Spirit. One thing that I learned with being in Benny Hinn Church, how many of you have not heard of Benny Hinn? You ever heard of Benny Hinn? One thing about Benny Hinn was the Holy Spirit. If there's anything, that, I mean, the only thing that I learned, that was my major thing that I learned, was that the Holy Spirit was a person. Before that, I thought the Holy Spirit was moving, shaking. Oh, the Holy Spirit. Ah, the Holy Spirit. All this stuff was the Holy Spirit. I just had this. Holy Spirit. All that was the Holy Spirit. But I never realized the Holy Spirit was a person. That when I'm driving that car, the Holy Spirit's right there. I can say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I need your direction. I need your guidance. I need you to show me what am I doing? What, what, where, where do I need help? What, what am I missing? And I'm constantly asking him, what am I missing? What am I not doing right? Oh, wow. I should have apologized. Oh, wow. I, 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 the other day I had a... Oh, he's not here right now. The other day I had an incident with my brother. He kinda, we were talking to someone. You ready? Come, get ready. And when, you, when you're ready, you let me know. We were talking to someone, and uh, I don't know, this probably never happens to you, only happens to me. But um, I, I assumed something about an individual. I, I thought that individual meant this, and that individual meant that zero at all. You know? I don't know if you never make mistakes like that. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, I just had this. I just had it. This person stole my whatever. And I'm going with my mouth. I knew they were going to take it. I should have never let them have that. And I, I mean, I, I should have I stayed right there so I could have gotten so they wouldn't have taken it. And after talking all that, have you ever been through that, that you talk all that and say all this and more? I go in my office and there's the thing sitting down. I say, oh my goodness. <laughs> what a terrible mistake I made. I judged this person and, and I had to start taking my words back. Lord, I take it back. I take it back. I think I'm, you know, some of you need to do a lot of take back. <laughs> I'm taking it back. You want, that's why you need to take it back. All the words you have spoken out there, you know, that you just talk about somebody and you thought about somebody, you just take it back. Take it back. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. I took it. I thought they stole it. I mean, I thought they took it, but they didn't really take it. Lord, I'm talking. And then you need to allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And just, I apologize, Holy Spirit. I'm sorry, Holy Spirit. The first person you need to apologize to the Holy Spirit. Then you clear it with people. Well, I didn't have to clear it with people. Thank God I didn't tell them anything. But some of you have talked to people. And that makes it hard. My wife is very easy in apologizing. She got that down thing, down pat. She, maybe some of you ladies got that down thing pat. But us men, not Tom. But us men, you know. Man, uh, we do something wrong, it's like it hurts for me to say I'm sorry. Not Tom, of course, but me. You know, I'm talking about other men. You know. It's like the woman could just say, I'm sorry, Tom. I'm, I'm sure Pastor Nick can say, I'm sorry, Tom. And that's it. But me, uh, my wife said, I'm sorry, Pastor Juan. I'm sorry, Juan. I'm like, okay. But me, it's like, oh, man, you make me suffer. It's like I have to get on my knees and I'm so sorry. You know, <laughs> I had to go through all that way. But she just go, I'm sorry. You know, and that's it. But I feel like you got to drag me in, pull me in. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? And then that doesn't count as I'm sorry. You know, it has to be genuine. You know, so you got to go beyond the masquerade, you know, the facial thing into the reality where you really feel you're sorry. So you won't do it again. You understand? So, so then you learn in such a way like, I'm not going to put myself in that position again. Amen? So the Holy Spirit's always working on us. He's working on all of us. The Bible says, 
Psalms 138 verse 8 says, The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. So imagine God is trying to perfect things in your life while you just be okay with, that's fine. God is not okay with, that's fine. God is not okay until it's perfect. You understand? To us, I'm okay. To God, he's looking for perfection. He's looking for excellence. He's looking for the very best that you can do. Not just whatever I give God, you know, whatever. No, God doesn't want whatever. God wants first. And when you give him first, he'll give you first. As a matter of fact, he's already given you first, but are you giving him first? So it's up to you to walk through it and say, okay, God, I want everything you have in store for me, and I'm not going to let this flesh stop me from receiving Jesus' name. Did you get something so far? I hope you come back, especially my guests are probably... I hope you come back and you listen to us again, but I'm just trying to be genuine, trying to, be, trying to make your life a little better. The Holy Spirit is extremely important in your life. What is this, the month of May? We got June, July, August, September, October, November, December. Seven more months, right? God could, God could transform your life. God could do, I mean, we got some testimony. God is already doing a bunch of things here. But God could just transform your life if you simply begin to acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Just acknowledge him. Just talk to the Holy Spirit like you talk to a person. Some of you are excellent at talking to your own self, and somebody look at you and say, who are you talking to? You're just talking to yourself. Well, add the Holy Spirit to that. After you talk to yourself, talk to the Holy Spirit. After you get tired of talking to yourself, not talk to the Holy Spirit. Say, I talked to myself enough. Let me not talk to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you think? What do you think I should do? How do you think I should react to that? How do you think I should handle that? And then when the Holy Spirit tells you how to handle it, handle it like that. Amen? That's, that's a big yeah for my brother there. That's a good one, all right? Do it like that, all right? So my wife is going to minister to you in some. Ready? Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. We're talking about being a witness. Give me volume on the music, please. Hallelujah. God's called us all to be a witness. Each and every one of us have been commissioned to go forth share with others the love of Jesus. Today a man is somewhere proclaiming the good news winning families to Jesus all around his neighborhood he tells them that God is able to make their house a home he wants to win his world for Christ, but he can't do it alone. But each one can reach one. As we follow after Christ, we all can lead one. We can lead Jesus is the way if we each one reach just one. Thank you, Lord. The power of the Holy Ghost. The message is unchanging. Go into all the world and share the love of Jesus. Far away or door to door You see, just like somebody told you That Jesus loves you so You must tell someone who will tell someone Until the whole world knows But each one can reach one As we fall
Jesus is the only way. There's no other way. There's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. But at the very name of Jesus, so church, we are commissioned. So let's go forth and let's do what we're supposed to do. Let's make our daddy happy. Let's expand the kingdom of God by reaching men, women, boys, and girls for the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> 